The Nonprofit Happy Hour is a weekly look at Portland's nonprofits and do gooders with interviews, music, and documentaries. You're listening to the Nonprofit Happy Hour on X Ray FM, brought to you by the Media Institute for Social Change, a public interest media lab that works to inspire, empower, and engage emerging media producers. Learn more online at mediamakingchange.org. Today on our show, we're talking with the executive director of Ethos. This is Phil Bussey. It's the Nonprofit Happy Hour on X-Ray FM. I am joined by Crystal De Alba, who is executive director for Ethos, um, a building just down the street uh, from X-Ray's studios. How are you doing? Oh, good. Thanks, Phil. How are you? Good, good. I know Ethos is more than a building, but it, it, is, it is something that I see uh, right there in Killingsworth. Um, I've seen for, 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 for years. It's such a landmark. Yeah. Um, can you uh, just describe just describe the building uh, for those who have not gone by? Describe the building uh, and the look, the energy that's there. Uh, well, right now, the building is mostly empty, but uh, in a typical in a typical time, um, it would be full of kids, you know, going upstairs in and out of their music classes. We have the recital hall on the first floor. Um, for performances and uh, group group events and lessons. The building itself is on the corner of North Williams and Killingsworth. Um, it's actually got quite a long history, but just before Ethos, it was uh, vacant. Before that, it was a storefront. And so it's been a big part of the neighborhood for a really long time. And, and, and for, for anyone who, who doesn't know Ethos, uh, which seems hard to believe because it's been such a a part of the past 25 years in Portland, but Ethos believes that all kids deserve access to the benefits of music education. Why music education? What is it that music education delivers or can do? Well, I think a lot of people are familiar with the fact that music education um, increases test scores, helps with language acquisition. You know, it, it helps to connect the different hemispheres of the brain and get uh, this simultaneous sort of uh, interchange happening in a way that few other things really do. I think a lot of people at this point know that, but it goes beyond that. And especially during this time of this extended pandemic, um, what we're seeing is that these music lessons, even though they're on Zoom and everyone's sick of Zoom at this point, um, it's really a time for kids to feel empowered, to have a sense of normalcy and routine, to express themselves and work through a lot of the big feelings that are happening right now. And, um, and also it's that daily confidence builder, you know, when you accomplish something, when you meet a, a little milestone and you learn a new chord progression or whatever it happens to be. So. I think the benefits of music are just so exponential. It connects people, makes you feel less alone in the world. Yeah, and I just it's just fun, right? It's just fun, yeah. What's, what's the most popular instrument? Uh, is, is there an instrument that um, 
most kids gravitate towards naturally or is that by different age groups or? Yes. <laughs> so I don't know if it's natural or if it's something that we as adults push on kids, but uh, piano seems to be really popular, easy to access. I think most people have played piano at somebody's house or whenever you see one, you can play chopsticks. It's something that everyone can relate to, but, or most people can relate to. Um, piano, voice, guitar, those are the sort of gateway instruments for a lot of people. Um, but then of course you have like violin and flute and sort of extends out. I think that drumming also uh, depends on the family. You know, we do steer kids, not we ethos, but we as just people do tend to steer kids towards what we want to hear. So we try to work with families to be realistic about what's going to work for them, but also um, help everyone work together to let the kids choose what they really want to do. Because if you're really engaged, you're going to stick with it. Yeah. And so we, we've been talking just a little bit about the why of music education, but let's, uh, the, the who is really important to ethos. Um, who is it that ethos has traditionally served and, and, and how has that changed as, as, as the neighborhood has changed? Um, well, I'm going to try and make it as short as possible, but who ethos has served. I mean, I think it's, you know, been pretty much the same on paper, but it's definitely changed in reality over the years. I think we've expanded our reach, which is what you hope for. Um, Ethos is a sliding scale program. So the socioeconomic foundation has been pretty much the same from day one, um, you know, founded in response to budget cuts, which eliminated music programs from the schools, first of all. So really just trying to create access for all kids is, is truly the mission, but trying to reach the kids who have the least amount of access first and working our way out from there is sort of the model that we still continue to work on. Um, right now we have four programs uh, in the building, music lessons for kids, private lessons, group lessons. Um, when we're in person, we can talk more about that later, but um, we also have a rural outreach program where we place AmeriCorps members in these really small schools in rural areas, 50 to 100 kids in the whole school sometimes. And they're the in-house teacher for the entire school for the entire year. It's a year of service for them. Um, we have a music core program that is in the Sun Schools after school, and then a pass the mic program, which does a very similar thing, but focuses on immigrant background youth. So that for the, for the AmeriCorps students that are in the small schools and rural areas, we're talking about Oregon and Pacific Northwest rural areas, or, or, or where are these, where, where is this happening? Um, all over Oregon. We've been all over the state over the years. Um, this last year, we had a cluster of schools in the Monument, Condon, Mitchell area. Uh, right now, we're expanding down to um, Wolf Creek at the Sunny Wolf Charter School and uh, working on something with Nesquin. So we're really, you know, all over the place within the boundaries of Oregon. And, and that, that must be a, <clears throat> an interesting challenge in that uh in, you know in my sort of smaller version of ethos it's about having a, a physical space where students come in and the and the 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 instruments are there for them to grab it's very tactile but but when you're talking about um this outreach as well as just the past year and a half uh that tactileness and that uh, ability to actually 
hand a student a guitar, um, that obviously has changed and challenged? Yeah, it's changed. Um, but there, I think you'd be surprised because the rural schools are in different counties. So they've had different rules to, to abide by. Um, and most of the rural area schools have been in person this entire time. There are so few kids in each classroom. They've been able to socially distance and have the masks on and you know all of the things that uh, Portland area school children were able to do at the end of this last year. But um, so that tactile, that in-person thing was still happening. They're fairly closed communities in general. So the logistics are a little different, um, but each of the classrooms, you know, we send instruments out there and they exist there for the entire duration of the program. Um, the same with actually pass the mic, uh, Wilson, our director of that program, he works with the schools and makes sure to get instruments into the hands of the kids, even if they are just doing lessons on Zoom, they're still tactile, they're still present in that way. So we're going to take a music break in a second, but I, I, before we do, I want to talk about um, just, just putting in, into the scope of how long ethos has been around 25 years. So yeah. some of the first students are obviously old enough to have their own uh, kiddos. Now, um, are you seeing that? Are you seeing a second generation showing up? Yes, yes, we are. Um, I, I'm still so new to Ethos. I've only been there a year and a half, but um, there is this great legacy at Ethos of students growing up in the program, leaving and coming back to teach, you know, and I'm seeing some of it right now with some of the kids that I've known from being a supporter of Ethos on that precipice of change and becoming the teachers. And it's, we had one actually um, this last summer at our summer sessions program and uh, we have some longtime teachers that have been teaching for 10 years that were also students. And yeah, it's pretty amazing. People stick around. That's so great. And and so, Crystal, I'm going to have you give us a song choice in a second. But before I do that, I just want to, I, I love this statistic or this, this accolades. The President's Committee on the Arts and Humanities has named Ethos one of the top 50 after-school arts program in the whole United States, eight times since 2003. I mean, I, I, that's amazing. I know you're not doing this for the accolades, but that's still pretty cool. I mean, it, you know, especially because that's that's in 18 years, eight times as a top 50 after school program. Yeah, it's amazing. And that really goes towards the collective efforts of everyone that's been a part of Ethos for the last 20 something years. It really, really is just people all getting behind our mission. So. Crystal Day Alba is the executive director for Ethos. You obviously are around music a lot. Do you have uh, just one song that you can you can provide for us for a music uh, break here? <laughs> um, I like Bomba Stereo a lot. Yeah, um, Alma y Cuerpo. I don't know if you know that song, but it's a song I listen to quite a bit. Let's take a listen.
This is Phil Bussey. It's the Nonprofit Happy Hour on X-Ray FM. Crystal De Alba is the uh, executive director at Ethos. Um, I was I was pausing because I was about to say new, but that's not fair. Um, <laughs> it's been it's been almost you know um, it's it's been more than a year and a half. But but what an odd year. I mean, you started February twenty twenty, uh, um, and yeah. then well, let's talk about what and then. But first. First, tell me what attracted you to the job. Well, I'd been a big fan of Ethos for a long time, volunteered here and there, gone to many of their events, um, a big supporter of Ethos. And then I found out that this position was open and it really seemed like something that would utilize all of my background and skills. And uh, I just, I felt like I could actually add something. I could bring something to the table and that's really important for me personally, um, but I also just believe in their mission. I'm a parent. Um, I have a child who's grown up in dance and music and the arts, and it's made a huge difference in, in my child's life. So, um, and in my own, so I, it just fit. It just seemed like the right place at the right time. And you said that you felt like you could bring something to, to the table. What, what, what did, what is that? Can you put that into words? Yeah. Um, I think that every, executive director before me has brought something really distinct and you know Charles of course was the founder and a very creative visionary uh, person who got things moving and Jed really brought a lot of stability and structure and uh, built up the the donor support base and um, you know Scott brought in Empress Rules and he was able to see a lot of the little gaps and holes and put things in motion to try to fix them and, and it's been very successful and um I really admire everything they've done but in all of that um I'm the first woman to lead I'm the first you know single mom to lead and uh I think that I have more more life experience that relates directly to what a lot of our parents are experiencing so I understand what it means to, <laughs> you know, to be living maybe under the poverty line and try to get your child affordable music lessons. You know, I've been there. I'm not there now, but I've been there. I've experienced that. Um, also, just being Latina, it's a different experience um, than I think has necessarily been a through line at Ethos. So everybody brings something different. Um, I have just my limited scope still, even with everything I bring, it's limited. So I think my personal greatest strength is partnerships, bringing in other people who can bring in their expertise, which that actually has been a pretty strong through line, especially with like Jed and Scott. So um, yeah, this has really been a tremendous year of partnerships, of building new relationships. And back to your question earlier about starting at the end of February, I started two and a half weeks before we made the decision to shut down because of the pandemic. So um, it's been a wild year that I don't think we would have survived if it wasn't for these new relationships. It's kind of all over the place, but. Where, where, do, you, where do you go to um, figure out what relationships to have or, or answer differently or the same question? Where do, you, where do you go to find your inspiration? I mean, especially in the last year, I mean, finding inspiration and stability has been really difficult, especially for, uh, someone that's 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 new to leading an organization. Um, how did 
How did you, how, did, how, how have you navigated? That's a huge question. I get it, but. Um... Well, I think that's really pertinent. Um, I think there's two things for me. One is learning how to deal with crisis in other parts of my life prior to this pandemic has really prepared me for knowing how to respond. Um, all of the directors and music teachers at Ethos, they've got the music part covered. You know, they don't need my input on that. So we all love music, but they don't, they've got it. Um, so for my role, what I do at Ethos, um, I don't think anybody really knew what to do. Everyone's sort of just uh, winging it, but having that experience both personally and professionally in sort of crisis management and dealing with organizational change, um, I think put me in a good position to not collapse under the pressure. Um, but additionally, just having lived in Portland for the greater part of the last two decades, um, there are some really specific cultural issues in Portland that are not the same everywhere else, you know, not originally from here. And so um, I got a pretty um, heavy dose of that when I first moved here and being in the middle not being part of the white community, not being part of the black community, but seeing it a little bit from the outside. Um, I don't know, I just, I felt really strongly about not assuming a place at the table that I didn't earn or that I don't need to occupy. So when I first got this job, even before the pandemic hit, I'm talking the first week, I just went door to door and talked to our neighbors because I realized like we don't really have relationships. So we now have relationships with our next door neighbors at the Salvation Army, you know, I made relationships with Don't Shoot PDX, we're literally two doors down from us. Um, the Black United Fund, there's a wealth of information and guidance and just, they're incredible at helping nonprofits. So I thought, why don't we have these relationships? And I just introduced myself and said, let's be friends. I don't have any projects in mind. I just want us to, be neighborly and create a sense of mutual aid for the future. And then when things really got crazy, um, they were there, they were there to help. So I think that, that, that that's both a great uh, leadership and business strategy is just a good reminder. I think we've all had for the last year and a half of get to know your neighbors. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yes. It's really important. So, so um you know, I think one of one obviously uh, diversity has also been, uh, or equity and diversity have really come to the forefront in the last year in, in terms of the mainstream conversation. Uh, Ethos has been working on that to provide access equity for for years. Um, how do I ask this question? How how does it feel now that that is more a mainstream conversation. Is that helping you as an executive director to, to reach out to foundations? Uh, does it make it easier to explain your mission? Um, how, how, how has it helped? Um, I think it has been helpful to have less of a distance to cover when trying to explain some of these concepts to outside organizations, to funders. I think the fact that uh, diversity, equity, inclusion are sort of these uh, more commonly understood concepts now, at least in the nonprofit world, probably in mainstream society in general, um, it does make it easier 
and I personally feel just a little bit freer to express myself without um, worrying about the backlash. Um, but at the same time, it is everything brings up new challenges. So the new challenge with this um, broadening understanding is that everyone is focused on this. Everyone is trying really hard. And, um, and everyone's not describing the same terms with the same definitions. So that I think is probably the biggest challenge, but all it does is just means that we have to have more conversations instead of just an email. Sometimes it's a phone call. You know, we just go a little bit more in depth and I think it just brings us back full circle to getting to know people, whether it's your physical neighbor or a thunder or whoever it happens to be. I just think it's opportunity for more in-depth communication. I, 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 I sense a uh, pattern or a style of your leadership there. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> what next? I mean, I, I, I know that we're not done with this, this current chapter um but is there something on the horizon is there something in more formally even in a strategic plan what's what what happens with ethos in the upcoming year well um as far as our strategic plan that was actually the beginnings of that were starting to form before i even started and then of course we've added to it and built that out um We've been really limited in what we can do this year because of the pandemic, but we did a summer session series, which was basically a free drop-in music at the park event. Kids could just show up and try out different instruments and sign up for some free lessons. Um, it was a really, really great time. We had lots of community partnership and guest musicians. It was incredible. We're it was a big experiment and it went well and we're going to integrate that next year. So we'll hopefully have our regular summer camps and these free outreach workshops in the parks. We'll do both. Um, we're also working on a mural right now, which is set to begin painting September 11th. Um, and it's meant to pay homage to the um, jazz community that was so strong in, in Portland, especially because we're on Williams you know, kind of the heart of it. And it's a really complex and big history. And um, it's, it's a lot to try to capture in one mural. So we're looking at how we currently are connected to the past and we're connected to whatever the future will be. And we're working with a career track education program through PPS and having the students actually create and paint the mural because it's a, we're youth focused program. We want to provide opportunities for youth um, whenever possible, and have a pretty diverse group of youth. Um, a few students from uh, Don't Shoot are also contributing. So, um, and where where will that mural be? That will be on 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 your building, or that's going to be on our building on the south facing wall that looks into the Salvation Army parking lot. So, when you're stuck in traffic on Williams heading north, hopefully you'll have something really interesting and beautiful and inspiring to look at. And it's just another way for us to visually express our commitment to connecting with the community and being open and giving back and, you know, communication. So I am excited to see that. And I'm excited to see all the programming that is going to be happening and, and obviously all the program that, that has happened. 
Um, Crystal, congratulations on on the the first year and a half with Ethos, and thank you for taking the time to talk with us. Crystal De Elba is executive director for Ethos. This is the nonprofit Happy Hour on X Ray FM. The Nonprofit Happy Hour is made possible by Beneficial State Bank, a certified B Corps that holds to what it calls a triple bottom line of social justice, environmental well-being, and economic sustainability. If your organization or business is interested in underwriting our show, please email phil at mediamakingchange.org. The Nonprofit Happy Hour is a production of the Media Institute for Social Change and KXRY Radio, X-Ray FM. Our host is Phil Bussey. Our executive producer and editor is me, Carly Meisberger. Archives of past shows can be found on our SoundCloud page. Questions, comments, or ideas about the show can be sent to info at mediamakingchange.org. Thanks for tuning in.